0: All right, welcome in, Undrafted This podcast, back for the first time in, oh, right about a month or so, Kate Carlton, Cable Livingston with you in uh, Snowmageddon 2021 here in uh, Northeast Arkansas, here on a Monday afternoon, uh, going to be joined by Doug Feinberg later in the podcast to talk uh, all things uh, women's college basketball, but uh, before we get things started, I'll say what's up on the other end of the line to Cable Livingston.
1: What's going on, man? It's... Uh you know we we got a little ice middle of last week and it didn't really go away let's add had about eight inches of snow on top of it
0: yeah there's a reason we're not in the same room together right now because yeah. i'm not getting on the road today no
1: <laughs> probably not for this week yeah maybe if we're being honest maybe
0: maybe saturday or sunday maybe that's yeah but it's it's a, a lot of tv shows and i guess door dashing this week so
1: yeah yeah, and, and hope that your DoorDash driver doesn't have a wreck on the way over. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, because we're we're in the middle of a dang New York, Massachusetts, Northeast level snow in the middle of February down in Arkansas. So fun I mean,
1: it, yeah, it's unbelievable. I, I don't know that I've been alive for anything like this here in Arkansas. Yeah, so uh, I, I, know I remember. I haven't. I remember the ice storm from, I don't know, it's probably been yeah, two thousand and twelve years ago. Yeah. But yeah, that was ice. This is straight up snow. I mean, it's pretty impressive, honestly.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> so we're getting anywhere from 12 to 15 inches, I guess, between now and Wednesday. So fun times all around, but, uh, Yeah. at least it'll give us time to catch up on basketball and TV shows and whatever else yeah. we need to catch up on, because obviously, uh, it's kinda it's kinda affecting our work because you can't really play basketball when there's, you know, ice on the ground and then you add six inches, eight inches of snow on the ground. So, you know, we're kinda in limbo. Don't know when we're gonna get to play again, whether it's gonna be postseason next week or whether we might could squeeze another regular season game or two in before then. But uh it's kinda put everything at least locally and probably throughout the state of Arkansas in limbo because Dallas – or not Dallas, but Texas and Arkansas are all under winter storm warnings and watches uh, the whole week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think Arkansas State women got canceled tonight. Yes, and Uh, A-State men. Yeah, and then Florida is supposed to go to uh, to Arkansas um, and play a men's game. And, uh, you know, a must just came out in his press conference and said that they're expecting to play, but – Um, you know, they canceled all flights into X and A today. Yeah. Well, and yesterday,
0: (laughs) Ole Miss and Mississippi State, who were like you know an hour, hour and a half apart, they got
1: canceled yesterday in women's. Yeah. It's all around. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, (laughs) who knows? You know, just hopefully we get some games in and and, uh, can get to finish the season. Uh, But right now, it's there's not going to be any basketball played around here. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So we're, uh, I guess, waiting, waiting in limbo and cranking out a podcast or two between now and being able to uh, leave the house again. It's like quarantine
1: <laughs> 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, that's still going on, too. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> at, at that
0: on top of everything. Things are going great here in uh, northeast Arkansas. Uh, yeah. But we'll get into some uh, basketball talk, obviously, I mean, it was – I don't think I left my couch on Saturday. I watched probably excess of 15, 20 college basketball games. So, uh, we'll get into some uh, college basketball talk. Uh, but uh, first off, like we haven't done one of these since our off week in January, which I think was maybe the second or third week in January. I don't know. I lost track of time. But uh, anyways, it's been about a month. And so, in between the last podcast and now, we had a – Big event happened in the sports world, uh, where Tom Brady won his seventh Super Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs, and one of the most boring Super Bowl games ever. But it is what it is, and it wound up being Tampa Bay to win it all.
1: It it wasn't boring because of Tom Brady, that's for sure. No, I mean, you know they they put up points, and uh, you know their defense just they they shut Kansas City down. I mean, and. I'd have never guessed that, honestly, ever. (laughs) That that it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa Bay won, but I didn't think it'd be that dominant. And like it was over about two possessions into the third quarter, and you knew Kansas City was not going to pull off the comeback like they did against San Francisco. So, um, you know, (laughs) so just you know, Tom Brady just cemented himself as the goat of you know football players. Um, probably put himself in the top three athlete, quote-unquote, of all time. Um, You know, he just – everybody said he couldn't do it without Belichick, but shoot, I think he did it, and look at what Belichick did this year. Yeah.
0: I, but, see, I hate that. And I got in this conversation last week. I hate, like, the goat of goats argument. It drives me insane. I just, like I, – I don't like comparing – Michael Jordan or LeBron James to Tom Brady because it's two completely separate entities. Like they play different sports, they do different things. So I don't know how you can say, oh, well, Michael Jordan's better than Tom Brady because, like, no, they play two different sports. Like there really is no comparison.
1: I, I mean, I think you, when you're talking about that, it's you're going into obviously championships matter with that. Um, you know, MVPs got to come into it. But just how did they. I think to be a GOAT of your sport, how did you change the world, you right. know? And and I don't know – I know you're a big Tiger guy, and I like him too, but uh, MJ changed the whole world, you know? I don't know that any athlete's done it like he has, you know? And and Tiger Woods probably was close, but because he played golf, I think that's why MJ was – is probably ahead of him on the all-time GOAT athlete. Well, but was, I mean, I
0: would I would take the Tiger argument and say, like, who cared about golf before Tiger? Because that number was very, very low before Tiger. And now it's – I mean, it's not like NBA high, but it's certainly much higher than it was. And it's, I think, direct correlation because of Tiger because he revolutionized the sport.
1: Uh, but but then you you have to – yes, it's true, but golf is still popular today and Tiger is – nowhere close to what he was right and so obviously it's not because people want to see him um i think it's just accessibility to more people playing golf you know and then and then um you know but but yeah he he definitely deserves credit for that um but again michael jordan changed the whole world you know like yeah and
0: i think i think tiger and michael and michael jordan are the same in the fact that like, their sport is still, even if they, like in Tiger's case, he's not as good as he once was. In Jordan's case, he's been retired for 15 years, but the or 20 years, whatever it is. But, like, their sport is still benefiting off of what they did. Yeah. And it's still popular because of, I guess, the
1: foundation and the groundwork they laid. But, and I'll still go and say, there's no, I don't think in 20 years you'll hear anybody saying, oh, I need to wear some Tiger Woods polos kids are still going to be wearing Jordans right. in 20 years, you know? And that's even like with LeBron, like I don't think LeBron sneakers are going to be just changing the world like Jordans have. I mean, you're, you're better off to buy the Jordans when they came out in the 80s and 90s than you are now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous how much kids and adults pay for Jordans right now and, and just the craze for them. Um, you know, and, you know, Kobe Bryant shoes are getting like that, too. You right. know, you've know, got to pre-order them. You, know, you, you can't even find them in store. You can't even find them online out a day after they release. You yep. know, and, and that, that tells me right there of how revolutionary those athletes were. And, and that's probably where Tiger, you know, playing golf, there's not that demand. Like, nobody wears golf shoes around, you right. know. I mean, and then nobody wears – nike polos really every day you know uh, as far as trying to that's not a popular thing to buy you know where where you're wearing shoes every day so uh but anyway tom brady get back to the game tom brady dominated he's gonna come back you know can they repeat is that's the question i guess you know why can't they
0: Uh, yeah i mean i'm it's it's kind of like the spurs when you know they were rolling under belichick it felt like every year it's like oh maybe this is the year they fall off and you know they get beat by the grizzlies in the first round and as the Grizz were the eight seed it's like all right the dynasty's over and then Kawhi leonard comes in and they win two or three more championships so it's yeah. it's just one of those deals like until until it actually is over you're not going to believe it's over
1: Yep, yep. And, and who in the NFC is going to beat them? I mean, are the Packers – I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be playing for the Packers next year. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess it depends on maybe where he goes. Um, Drew Brees is probably not going to be playing for the Saints. Um, and, You know, it's just who's going to beat them, you know, is kind of the way I'm, how I look at it right now. Um, Obviously, the game of football, anybody can. But, but they have to be one of the favorites for sure. I think they were yeah. like – I think they're, on, in the early favorites, they're number two behind Kansas City, in fact, so. Yeah. Um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see if any big off-season moves. You got Aaron Rodgers looking to get traded, Deshaun Watson, you know, who, who goes to get those quarterbacks, and then who gives up draft picks to go up and get a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or somebody like that in the draft. And yeah, so,
0: and I think if, uh, if any of those fringe – Like, if the Chicago Bears traded for Deshaun Watson right now, I think they're an automatic Super Bowl contender. Like Yes. Because he is is good enough to win a Super Bowl, but it's like football is a a lot different than basketball in the fact that, like, you can win a championship with one or two guys. Like, you can't win a championship with just a guy in football, and that's pretty much all Deshaun Watson had this year in Houston besides an (laughs) injury-prone J.J. Watts. Like, you can't just win a championship with one dude in football.
1: No. Heck what's going on in Houston, man? That their ownership realized that you have to have good players to have fans. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, uh who uh, and then they kind of misled the the coach that they hired saying Deshaun was going to be back like that's I don't know. Yeah. That, that's not a good situation over there it sounds like.
0: No, it's not. Um so that'll be interesting to follow in the offseason. Uh but I mean for us like we're, we're not even close to being in the season so far, you know, with, with uh, basketball. We still have a month, month and a half, month and a half, however long we have to go. Uh, you know, with uh, basketball, obviously the NCAA tournament is uh, upcoming here in the next couple of weeks, uh, have conference tournaments upcoming as the regular season closes out. But, you know, I'll say this, as someone who's watched both men's and women's, you know, just any night I have free time, I have a basketball game on, whether it's men's or women's. It's just whatever the best game to watch is on. Uh, I'll say this because we're leading into Doug Feinberg, who's going to talk to uh, us about women's hoops here in a little bit. Like I, And I think me and you talked about this the last podcast. Like I just think top to bottom, there is more – a, a better competition in women's hoops this year than there is in men's because they, there's just not a lot of good teams in men's basketball this year. I mean, Duke is awful. Kentucky's awful. North Carolina's not very good. Kansas is not very good. Michigan State's not very good. And I just, I think outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, there's just a definite, definite fall off in talent gap.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no no doubt about that. I mean, like, it's it's... You know, now, and that's not to say, like, we've seen crazier NCAA upsets happen, too, you know, if if somebody right. were to beat beat one of them, you know. But they, they definitely look like they're on a crash course to play in the finals, and, and it probably will be a pretty good game, you know. Um, I don't know that you could pick a Final Four right now. I thought Villanova was pretty good, and then they go on the road and just get blasted yeah. by Creighton over the weekend. Um, you know, Iowa, maybe Illinois. Um, you know, I guess Ohio State was a one seed. Yeah. Um. In the who who were the four ones? Ohio State, Gonzaga, Baylor. Um. And... I don't even remember who the four ones were. I think it was Iowa. It might have been Iowa. no, mi- no, it was Michigan, Michigan,
0: Michigan. Yes, Michigan. And.
1: and you know, heck, they they beat a Wisconsin team after not being able to play for three weeks, which yeah, which they probably important. should
0: have. They probably should have lost that game, honestly. Yes, um,
1: but so you know, I think it's up for grabs. You know, you you know, here locally, you've got an Arkansas men's team that's won six straight SEC games. Um, you know, went on the road and had a chance to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, and then Arkansas State looks like they may be the best team in the Sun Belt after struggling early on they've they've won what four or five in a row something like yeah. that swept um, swept UALR this weekend yeah um hadn't hadn't done that probably in, in no telling how many years yeah. um so that they look to be playing playing better and maybe probably a favorite to win the Sun Belt um and make it back to the NCAA tournament so um then on the women's side you got you know the Lady Razorbacks picked up a nice win over Mississippi State um you know, they, they just, right now they're a game under 500 and they just, they've just hovered around that mark in the SEC. And, you know, they need to get on a little run to, you yeah. know, uh, to improve their seeding right now, you know. Yeah. and um, But again, I, you know, how much is seeds going to matter because you're not going to be able to host this year. Um, everybody's going to be playing on neutral court. court. You know, it, it may not, I mean, obviously you don't want to play UConn or South Carolina second round, but, I mean, you're going to have to play some good teams eventually. So, you know, I, I think, it you know, a neutral court like in San Antonio might benefit a team like Arkansas, you know, that, yeah. you know <laughs> where they can kind of get it going and get on a roll. Well, um, right
0: now they uh, – bracketology has Arkansas projected to be in, I guess they're calling it region one, which would match them up with UConn and the Sweet 16 if both of them got there. So, I think you – like, I think you want to be on the side of the bracket uh, if you're Arkansas with like North Carolina State or Louisville as the one seed potentially. But I mean, obviously, they beat UConn earlier in the year, but I just, you know, I think I'd rather take my chances with NC State or Louisville than UConn or South Carolina.
1: Right. Well, it, you know, if you, if you got to play UConn again, you'd like it to be in the final four. Right. Um, you know, because they're going to be pretty tough to beat on a neutral court after you've already beat them this year, too. Right. So, but uh, I don't know. It's, it'll be fun to see how it all plays out. You know, we've never seen anything like this. So, um, looking forward to the to the stretch run here of college basketball on both the men's and women's side.
0: No doubt, uh, we'll uh, check in with uh, Associated Press women's basketball writer Doug Feinberg. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, everything that's gone on this season in college hoops. Thank you pleased to be joined. Uh, alongside Associated Press uh, women's basketball writer uh, Doug Feinberg, Doug, uh, as always, thanks for uh, hopping on with us this afternoon,
2: fellas. Always my pleasure. It's been a it's been a, a fun year in women's hoops, right? With all the craziness going on, we still got a month left for the tournament. Hopefully, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Hopefully, hopefully this year uh, everything goes off without a hitch, and we can. Uh, you know, get the uh, tournament played. Obviously, you know, we were kind of talking about uh, before this interview, you know, just kind of feel like uh, the women's side, obviously a lot of talent, but, you know, maybe more wide open this year than it's been in years past. I mean, you have a lot of good kids and players and teams at the top, Uh, you know, and as we're heading into conference tournament, you know, just who are some of the teams that have kind of stood out to you uh, so far in this season?
2: You know, it's funny you say that as far as, like, just being wide open. I'm doing this now for about 15 years, and for the most of those years, if you said to me, hey, who's going to win the national championship, it's usually there's one team that's playing really well. You say if they play their best game, no one's going to beat them. Yeah. It's been Baylor. It's been UConn, obviously. It's been South Carolina one year, Notre Dame, I think, one year. But, like, this year, there's probably eight to ten teams – that if you said they play their best game, I'd say, I don't know who's going to win. I I don't know. And that to me is great. It's parody. And I mean, listen, UConn moved up to number one in the, in the the poll today for the first time this season. Are they the best team in the country? Uh, Maybe, probably, maybe not. I mean, they're South Con is really good. Um, Obviously Texas A&M, they're 19 and one. And I think they've beaten seven ranked teams so far. They're really good. Stanford's really good. So, I like, it. I think it's exciting that when we get to March, I have no idea who's going to win the NCAA tournament. There's a bunch of teams and that that's great for basketball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we were talking too with that parody, you know, in the game right now and you know, we're having the, the whole NCAA tournament in San Antonio. Does that, to me that even adds to the parody of you, you never know who might can get on a run, you know, and, during that stretch and, and make it to the final four and win it, you know, um, yeah, you, know, you talked about UConn being number 1. Are they the best team? You know, we we watched them. Cade was at the game where Arkansas beat them, you know. And and so, uh who, who are some teams maybe not in that top 10 that you're you're looking at that might can make a run in a kind of a different NCAA tournament setup than we're norm, normal to see.
2: Well, I think I was Gino had an availability today um before the poll came out. And something he said it's like it's a weird year because it's tough to get momentum right now because you play a game, maybe you have another game that week if COVID deaths come back negative. So really the NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments, if they have them, be the first chance for a team to really build some momentum. And, I mean, the team you mentioned, the, the Arkansas game the other day, when they beat UConn, they look phenomenal. And I, I was talking to Mike Neighbors before, and, like, they've lost, I think, seven games, he said, to the teams in the top 23 in the old RPI right now. So that's seven losses, most of them were tight against really good teams. And Arkansas has proven they can beat really good teams. So I think I mean I know. Listen, I'm not trying to go for the hometown here, but I think neighbor's team could be really good because they can put points on the board, and, and that can be a good thing. And if you hit a couple wins in a row, get some momentum, they could be a good team. I think Michigan's another good team. I mean they yeah. they've run pause for for three weeks because of a, a a state ordinance against the school because of the COVID issues. But like they have one of the most exciting players in the country, and Nas Hillman, who put up 50 uh, in her last game before they went on pause. So th- those are two teams, Michigan and, and and Arkansas, that I think could could make runs to Final Four or Elite Eight or wherever it may be. That are that are pretty good. That are outside the top ten right now.
0: Well, you know, when you kind of look at this season as a whole, there's obviously a tremendous amount of star, star power, but. You know, I think it's different in years past because, you know, a lot of that star power is coming, you know, from freshmen. You know, you have uh, Paige Beckers, who's all over the headlines at uh, UConn. Uh, you have Caitlin Clark at Iowa, who's averaging like 26 points per game so far this year. And, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. But just, you know, how impressed, I guess, have you been with, you know, those two in the freshman class and then, you know, just the freshman class as a whole that has just a lot of star power this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems every year they're getting better and better. Like the young kids coming in, and young kids seems crazy to say this, since they're eighteen or nineteen now or such, but they they're getting better. And and, and you name two, Paige and, and and Caitlin are really good players um, who have done tremendous things so far in their young careers and have really bright futures in front of them. Um, and there's another another young one, so to speak, uh, Charlize at Washington State, who I think is leading the Pac-12 in scoring as a freshman, which that's three players, impact players at three major conferences, so to speak, doing great things. Um, and there are a bunch of others out there as well that have been making their marks as freshmen, which is just great for the game. I mean, it, I think it helps. Unlike men's basketball, where, where a stud freshman leaves after their freshman year to yeah. go turn pro and go to the NBA, so you don't really get to see them excel in college anymore. On the women's side, you get to see them develop. I mean, listen, the they extra eligibility—if these kids wanted, they could stay for five years. And I mean, Clark could break every scoring record there is, and Beckers and yes. potentially. No, no offense to anyone else, could win five national championships the way if the number one team in the country and, and such. So those are two crazy th- stats, so to speak, you could throw out there. And again, there's a lot of basketball left to play. It. I'm not saying UConn's going to win this year. Because as I said before, I mean anyone could win this. It looks like, but imagine that going for your fifth national championship down the road.
1: Yeah, that that would be incredible, and especially with I mean UConn's already talented. And they've got one of the top recruiting classes coming in, obviously. To to piggyback off the freshmen, I, I think Clark and and Beckers are definitely in the national player of the year, you know, talk as well, but you know, I don't know that any, either one of them will win it who right now, who's your favorite for national player of the year? You know, I, you got a, like a Leah Boston's got name in there, Dana Evans, you know, who, who are you kind of looking at to, you know, maybe pull, you know, if they have a big month, month and a half here that can pull away and win that national player of the year.
2: So I, I like Dana Evans. I mean, I, I think she's had a phenomenal year for Louisville If you know, she wasn't there right now. They have a couple more losses. I mean, she does her best work in the fourth quarter. I forget the stat, but I think she's shooting like 56% a couple of weeks ago in the fourth quarter. So, and that's taking big shots in big moments. So that to me is always impressive. And I think that's a great thing. She, she, to me is, is in the conversation for player of the year, if not the favorite right now, I, I know Paige had some unbelievable games on in the national spotlight Um against the Tennessee game she had the big three the Arkansas game and she tried to will them to win although she couldn't do enough against a, that really good Arkansas team and then against South Carolina I think she had the last 13 points including nine in overtime for them when they beat number number one at the point uh, South Carolina in, in Ot last week so those those are those are probably the two favorites but you're right I mean Leah Boston's had a, a great uh, season so far um, Ari McDonald and Arizona's had a great year Arizona's having one of the best seasons they've had in a long long time. Um, Ryan Howard coming in Kentucky uh star was one of the the favorites to win the the preseason favorites to win the award. She's been hampered by that ankle injury and I think she she hasn't been right since then and has been been gutting through it in a lot of games, but I think just hasn't put up the numbers that people would expect for a Player of the year candidate. So it's interesting I me mean, right there, there isn't a faith Dana Evans is probably my favorite right now um but there's still months to be played and a lot of big games left. so people can, you make your names in March, right? That's when the, the saying, so to speak, in the, in the old days. So players still have a month left to sort of put on their best show for fans to see and for the voters to see where they really end up.
0: Yeah, uh, no doubt. You know, and for us, too, uh, obviously, you know, being in Arkansas, we watch a lot of SEC. And so, you know, kind of watch Thursday and Sunday, see just about every game played. And, you know, there's a lot of SEC teams ranked inside that top 25 uh, so far this year. but. And obviously the SEC is really good, but what are some conferences, I guess, that have kind of stood out to you in terms of just, you know, team and individual talent uh, so far this year?
2: Um, you're, I mean, you hit the nail. on SEC, forget just the ranked team. Some of the not ranked teams are pretty good also. I mean, yeah. LSU uh, gave A&M its only loss of the year and then played South Carolina tough for a while the other day. So, I mean, they're not in the top 25. I, I think you guys know better than I do. I think they're right around 500 if maybe, maybe a little below or a little above it. Yep, they're really, really good. Um, I think the Big Ten is, is competitive top to bottom. They may not have the top, top team like the SEC does or obviously um, the Pac-12 does, but top to bottom, the, there are some really good teams there. I mean, it's Michigan, Maryland, where Coach Freeze just got her 500th win at the school to break the, the all-time mark there on Sunday. Um, Indiana's pretty good, obviously, and, and Northwestern. Um and Ohio State, they're not eligible for the NCAA tournament because of self-sanctioning, but they're they're doing well. I mean, the Big Ten is good. The Pac-12, as I said, I mean Arizona, Stanford, Oregon, UCLA is is put those four against anyone else's top four, be a heck of a, a slobber knocker to to throw out a, a term on a good fight. So they're they're strong as well. I mean, the Big East isn't what it used to be. There's no nothing against them. They're they're rebuilding it, but obviously having UConn up top and DePaul, those are two really good teams. And then the ACC, I mean, you have Louisville and North Carolina State who are both really good. I think the, Charlie Cram had in his bracket the other day that there might be nine ACC teams um, in the tournament potentially or maybe five because it just depends how things shake out over the next month. But th- those top two between Louisville and NC State, those are two really good teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. They, uh, they played, you know, a heck of a game the other night and, and you know, with NC State winning um, – you know, looking, you know, at the NCAA tournament, who, you know, there's always a group of five team or two. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a couple of Mac teams make the Sweet 16. And who uh, are some group of five teams that you're kind of looking at that, you know, probably can't win a national championship but may play into that second weekend, quote-unquote, a Sweet 16 Elite Eight
2: type game? You know, it's it's a weird year. And I I, I feel bad for the committee because usually you'd have, like, two or three big-time crossover games between the the, the non-Power 5s and the Power 5s say, hey, you know what? This team's really good, even though they're not playing in the top five, the Power 5 conferences. I don't think there have been many of those games this year to sort of give them a chance to. I mean, they're, they're both in the poll, but obviously South Dakota State, I think, is really good. Um, and the Zags, Gonzaga, I mean, their men's team is number one. The women's team, I think, is top 20 right now. There are two teams that have been perennial, per- perennial powers from the non-Power 5s that I think both could make runs the second weekend. Um, if we're really going dark horses, I mean, the, the I don't think there's teams right now that I know of um, that are like the Mac teams a couple of years ago, that the Buffalo, the world, or um, central Michigan, I think was pretty good a couple of years back. I, I just don't think they're out there right now. Or I actually haven't seen them, so to speak, and they haven't played against the, the power fives. Maybe that'll help them that they'll be able to surprise somebody because people aren't paying attention. There isn't that big win they got non-conference so far
0: yeah no doubt uh, and obviously you know we you know we've kind of seen it up close I, I guess in personal uh, you know at UT Martin just seeing a draft pick there in Chelsea Perry uh, you know really shine and make a name for herself at the you know mid-major stage but you know just who are some other players that maybe not get into the WNBA draft range but have had good seasons in the group of five that have kind of stood out to you so far this year
2: uh that's a great question um i don't know if i have a good answer for it right now and i'll be honest i mean it, it's it's been such a weird year for me because i've covered one basketball game live in nine months wow and which is crazy i mean actually i'm, I'm I, I to me everything's day-to-day so to speak day-to-day i'm going to the st john's uconn game on wednesday if that happens because in new york and hopefully i'll be able to go to it but I haven't been able to actually see as many teams as I like. Usually I go to at least one or two MAC games, uh, the m is. Marriage has been pretty good for years. Um, so I, I don't want to give you names that I, I haven't seen them live to say how good they can be or will be. And I, I take the blame for that, so to speak. Um, but I think there are, there are some out there. I mean, there's some, some really talented kids that may not be in the top programs um, from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, well, well, how? I mean, just how different has that been – for you, uh, being a reporter and then not being able to go to games and having to watch games on TV and doing virtual press conferences and you know really having to cover you know an entire sport at home and not being able to go
2: to anything, it it, it definitely is different. I'll tell you this. I mean, there's pluses and minuses. There there's very few pluses over the last years. You guys know <laughs> yes. that we've had in this world. <laughs> I mean, COVID has shut everything down, and obviously the, all the deaths and and, and the people who have been ill from it. There's no positives here. But one glimmering light of hope or silver lining I've seen is for women's basketball at least, I've been able to cover more games in the sense of Zoom calls. I can jump in on press conferences after games or availabilities that I could never do before because of Zoom. And it just made it's made it easier and better in a sense. And I think it's gotten more coverage for for college basketball and definitely for the WNBA the ability for reporters who, I mean, I'm based in New York, Michelle Popo, VS ESPN does a tremendous job is based in Kansas city. And we can't get out to a lot of games. Um, in normal times, you cover who's in your area, or maybe you go to a big game nationally, but I can jump yesterday. I jumped on six different zoom calls of top 25 teams. I could never get to their press conferences after games last year. Cause I'm not in Stanford. I'm not in uh, South Carolina. So, that to me is the small glimmer of a silver lining is that it's helped coverage. I think with more people being able to get on these zoom calls and talk to some of these top players and, and, and top teams that I think has been great for the sport.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that is one thing that I, that is definitely positive is you see more, like you said, more people get to cover more different teams that they never would have without it. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Arkansas earlier and, and you know, Chelsea Dungeys had a pretty incredible year this year and, and in fact one mock draft had her going in the top ten after the Yukon game. You know, you talk a little bit about her and maybe some other players that have, have improved their WNBA draft stock to where, you know, I don't you know, Chelsea probably would have been signed a free agent deal, but now I mean there's a legit chance she's a first round pick, you know, in this upcoming draft.
2: Yeah, she she had a heck of a game. She she can put the points on the board, no question. Um, here's the problem with, with this year. Maybe it's a good thing because the NCA gave everyone extra eligibility. WNBA teams have no idea who's actually coming out to the draft this year for the first time ever in a sense, because any senior could go back and say, you know what? I'm having a great time here. I want to play for a fifth year. I want, I want to go enjoy having fans again or having a chance to play with my teammates. I'm having such a great time. Um, so there's that possibility. So the, the, Coming into the the um, WNBA draft, I mean Charlie Collier, who had a, a, a awful game yesterday against uh, Baylor, um, was projected probably one of the top three picks. What if she decides to go back to Texas next year? Enjoys playing for Vic Schaefer, has had a year of him now. wants you know what I want to stay, or and she's actually actually has to graduate first, but potentially could stay for another year. Chelsea Dungie what if she really enjoys playing this year? Destiny Slocum, like. Their players, this will be the most entertaining year, I think, for actually seeing who decides to come back and who doesn't. Um I think yesterday I, I was mentioning Zoom calls. Coach Barnes of Arizona said, has three really good seniors, and she said, someone asked her the question, says, I hope that I can keep one of them at least next year to come back for a fifth year. McDonald, who's their best one, basically said she's going to go on to the pros, but you just don't know. So, I mean, it, it's a weird year that any mock draft could dramatically change if the top seven players on that mock draft decide to come back for another year. So, Dungy could be a first-round pick. She could be a lottery pick if no one else decides to come out. Or maybe she falls back a little bit if more kids come out. But she's done everything right, I think, to put herself in a position to make a, a WNBA training camp, at least, and potentially a roster.
0: Talk with uh, Doug Feinberg of the Associated Press, uh, the last thing before we let you go. Obviously, I think a week or two ago it was announced that uh, the, fi- or the NCAA tournament and the Final Four in its entirety is going to be held, uh, you know, solely in San Antonio. Just, you know, what have you kind of heard about how uh, they're going to handle the first round games, obviously in different venues, and then, you know, their policies on fans, you know, just what are the procedures, I guess, going to be like uh, for this NCAA tournament upcoming?
2: Well, it's going to be nothing like you, any, you I have ever seen before. I can phrase it that <laughs> yes. way. Yeah. Um, it, it should be fun. Listen, they're making the best out of obviously a really bad situation to try to do the normal thing of having the 16 first round sites, teams traveling around the country. That that's not realistic. You're 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 asking for COVID issues. Um, so doing in San Antonio, I think it's, it's a tremendous idea. I know the men are doing it in the Indianapolis area, the women are doing it in the San Antonio area. I think they're using uh, Texas, or I know they're using the University of Texas for a first round site. So that's about I think 90 miles away from. Uh, San Antonio, so the the team will have to or a couple of teams will have to travel um, bus to go there. I, I think it'll be fun. I mean, we we've been pushing or Devin Tonelli's been pushing for years, put the Sweet Sixteen in Vegas, have all the teams in one spot, and we sort of get a taste of that this year with all sixty-four teams being in San Antonio. There'll be hiccups. I mean, listen, it, nothing's gonna it's not gonna run perfectly, but I think they're as of now, last I saw, they're gonna allow I think it's a limited number of fans for the first couple rounds. At these sites, at least family and friends. So, like, I think each player makes six tickets to a games. So you're at least at least the parents can come watch them play and the siblings. Right. I think when they get to the Alamo Dome for the the Sweet Sixteen and beyond, they'll allow more fans in because you can space people better there, so to speak. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, I think it should be a fun time. Listen, it's it, unprecedented times call for unprecedented ideas, and I think it's going to be a good time having the NCAA tournament in in one one area in San Antonio.
0: Doug, appreciate uh, the time as always. Uh, obviously, I know we have a lot of stuff coming out covering both, uh, you know, the women's hoops and WNBA. What can we look forward to coming out from you in the next uh, few days or so?
2: Well, first of all, I'm surprised we didn't talk about the, the great fall of Mike Neighbors on the ice the other day. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, yes. I was all prepared for that conversation. I, I went to some medical doctors to make sure that, like, he'll be eligible. Like, you know, he and I were joking he's, he's a game-time decision every game now. Um, he's still a little sore. But, I bet. I bet the hip was hurting the next morning. Right? I mean, listen, you were saying you guys are getting a lot of snow down there, and being a New Yorker, I'm used to snow. It's no joke. And like black ice and, and when snow freezes over, it's worse. Because like everyone loves white fluffy snow for the most part. But when it becomes ice and it's dangerous, that's not good for anybody. Yes. So like <laughs> no, you, you guys stay safe down there, obviously, in this this crazy time we're hitting with Texas getting snow, you guys getting snow. Um, I, I'm just working on, on, on normal stuff. I'm actually the thing I've been doing, which I don't know if you guys have caught it all, for the last two months or three months now. I've been doing these things, these Zoom chats, these AP Women's Basketball Conversation series pieces, which have been great. I get three or four of the the, the, the um, noisemakers, so to speak, whatever's going on, or newsmakers, I guess is probably a better way to phrase it. Um, and we chat basketball. I'm actually doing one on Tuesday with uh, Nina King, who's the head of the the Women's Selection Committee, and Lynn Holtzman, who's the vi- senior vice president for women's basketball at the NCAA. And we'll talk about the NCAA tournament and such and being in San Antonio. So... They're fun, they're conversations, they're live streamed on on Twitter for people, fans to watch it, and they've been great. It's been a great way to grow the game, so to speak, and something I'm proud of that I've done in these unprecedented times the last three months to sort of make things, sort of open the curtain, reveal the curtain on, on people and give fans an inside look at, at some of their favorite players and coaches and such.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate the time uh, this afternoon. Obviously looking forward to the stretch run of uh... – college basketball looking forward to seeing your coverage as we near closer in close on the ncaa tournament again uh, thanks for the time this afternoon
2: stay safe fellas and uh hopefully see you down the road sounds appreciate. good
0: appreciate it doug feinberg the associated press joining us this afternoon all right thanks to uh, doug feinberg for hopping on with us uh today always appreciate uh, the conversation and Think could speak for both of us just looking forward to uh getting down the stretch run of uh college basketball watching conference tournaments and then seeing um you know the difference uh that an ncaa tournament inside a bubble uh in san antonio will make so uh, again uh thanks to uh doug for hopping on this afternoon and joining us uh that'll do it for us today i uh, don't know when we'll be back again maybe sometime this week in the middle of snowmageddon i don't know uh, we'll figure it out but uh, for Cable Livingston I'm Cade Carlton saying so long everyone uh, we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening